Welcome to Hack to Start, a podcast focused on interesting people and the innovative ways they achieve success. I'm Franco Variano. And I'm Tyler Copeland. Each week we speak with a new guest about how they created, hacked, and hustled their way to the top and distill their insights and experiences for you. The path to success isn't always linear. Hack, start, and repeat. This episode is brought to you by Breather. Find beautiful, practical spaces that you can reserve on the go. Ghost, a simple, powerful publishing platform that allows you to share your story with the world. And SoundCloud. Hear the world sounds. You're listening to episode 97 of Hack to Start. This episode features Koi Vin, the director of product design for mobile at Adobe. Tyler and I wanted to invite Koi onto the show to share his story as a designer and entrepreneur and what it's been like building creative apps for touch-first mobile devices. With a background in graphic design, Koi really got into his career as a product designer with the New York Times after several successful years as a co-founder of his own design firm. He then left and launched Mixel, a new type of creative app for the iPad. However, without as much traction as they needed to keep operating independently, Koi and his co-founder managed to get the app and team acquired by Etsy. After the acquisition, Koi left Etsy after a few months to continue learning and experimenting with technology, specifically around how people created on different devices on the go. He's now helping to lead the creation of a new generation of creative apps for new technologies and hardware like the iPad Pro at Adobe. Koi joins us to share his story, some of the challenges around running your own company, what it's like working at Adobe, how he thinks about the intersection of design, tech, and creativity, how he approaches bringing the startup energy to the team, and much more. This is an amazing episode you won't want to miss, so let's get to it. Hey, Koi. Thanks so much for being on the show today. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, like we said just before we hit record, uh, we've been looking forward to this uh, all day, all week, uh, for a couple weeks, actually. So, um, yeah, it's really <laughs> exciting to, to have you on and, and, you know, have the opportunity to learn more about you and, and the awesome stuff you're doing. So let's kick it off with, with exactly that. Can you tell us, you know, a bit more about yourself, like where you're from and, and what you studied? Sure. I, let's see. Um, I grew up on the East Coast near Washington, D.C. I went to design school in California, in Southern California. I've been doing some form of design for two decades now. I started out in print design. I worked in the agency slash studio world doing client services for a long time. I co-founded a studio a number of years ago. I worked for about five years at the New York Times running their digital product design group where we did all kinds of things with New York Times contents in the web, uh, on mobile devices and tablets. And after I left the Times, I started a, a company called Mixel. It was a venture-backed startup. We were trying to bring creativity and social to iPad users. That company was acquired after a few years. Then I kicked around with some other startups. And currently, I'm in Adobe where I work on the mobile product design team I guess my title is Director of Product Design for Mobile. So that is a really brief overview of the many places that I've gotten lost at. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, we're going to dive into into some of those. And I mean, feel free to share other stories if there's anything we miss on too. But kind of going back, how did your passion for entrepreneurship and, and design really develop? Where, where did that come from? That's a great question. I mean, I've always been really passionate about design and, and love the act of sitting down and figuring out design problems, but I've also always really enjoyed the 
entree that design gives you to a, a bigger world. And I've always wanted to take advantage of that opportunity, the way design intersects with business and with technology and all, all other kinds of things to, um, to create opportunities to do the kind of design that I want to solve the kind of problems that I'm interested in. So I guess you could say I see entrepreneurship as a, a way to use design to address you know, my particular passions. That's really well put, well put. So how did your you know, career begin? What were some of your first few jobs you know, that, that maybe you did for free or you got paid for before or after mm-hmm. college? So I actually went to school to study illustration and, and painting. And I thought I might either be an illustrator or a fine artist. But halfway through, I realized that all the problems that I was interested in were really design problems, graphic design problems. And so I took as many design courses as I could. And when I got out of school, put together a portfolio and got a job at a little ad agency outside of Washington, D.C., where I worked on brochures for commercial real estate. Like I would, I would develop these three or four panel brochures to help sell businesses on, you know, this, some Tony you know, office suite in downtown DC or on the outskirts. So it was a pretty modest start. And from there, I just kept working on building up my portfolio, trying to get more and more of the kinds of projects that I wanted to do, or I should say more and more of the kinds of projects that I wanted to get the opportunity to do more of into my portfolio and sort of nudge out the ones that, you know, I didn't want to do any more of. And, um, you know, eventually I got a job at like a studio that was better matched for my interests. And then I got a job at an agency and I moved to New York and met some people and we formed a company and little things here and there eventually started to snowball. That's really cool. Before we get into what you're working on today at Adobe, you were part of several companies, as you mentioned, and actually launching a couple of projects of your own. So can you tell us how you created the opportunity to work at the New York Times as the design director? Sure. So I had co-founded a studio here in New York City with a few other folks, and we were having a pretty good run. And I was really enjoying the challenge of building up a business from scratch, building up a clientele and and running um, a staff and really building up a brand. And at that studio, we got to do a lot of work with various players around town who eventually introduced us to other folks and eventually introduced us to some clients who knew this person or that person. Eventually, somebody that we had worked with was familiar with the team running NewYorkTimes.com and knew that they were looking for a new design director and they just sort of made a connection. And I went into that first meeting thinking it was going to be pretty casual and thinking it was just for an opening for a director position at the time. And I was sort of surprised to find that they were really looking for somebody to to run and, and in a way reinvent the digital design team, the, the product design team at nytimes.com. So we just had a series of conversations and you know, they got more and more serious and and to me they, they became more and more interesting. And so I sort of came to the conclusion that it was like just a really wonderful opportunity that I didn't know I would ever get again. So I decided to leave the studio I had co-founded and make a leap and, and join the Times. That's interesting. So what were some of the biggest lessons learned that came out of that experience, either from building your agency and transitioning to the New York Times and just the New York Times in general and, and building their online presence? I joined at a point in the Times history where they had already started building digital products and had already established a real business out of NewYorkTimes.com. But they were now sort of doubling down on digital for the whole company and, and really integrating 
the digital and the print operations. And so for me, for my, my experience there, most of those five years, like at least three or four of them were really focused on finding ways for those two sides of, of the company to work together better and to learn you know, lessons from over a century and a half of great journalism and great print design and also trying to help like our counterparts on the print side get acclimated to the digital environment. So there's a, a ton of, there's a ton of challenges there, like, you know, person to person and then, you know, departmentally or organizationally um, trying to affect that kind of change. Um, but, you know, it was, it was a really great learning experience for everybody, I think. And I really look back on that, that time as a major period of growth for me. From there, you ended up co-founding and being the CEO of Mixel. So what is Mixel and what motivated you to launch this product? Sure. I mean, Mixel was really a passion project for me. Like, it, it, The idea for Mixel was to combine the process of making art and making it really democratic, making it, everybody, making it accessible to everybody with um, like all the benefits of and, and the encouragement of, of like a social network. <clears throat> and the idea was sort of t- took shape um, as uh, this iPad app that lets you really easily and elegantly sort of combine photos and images from virtually anywhere into really attractive, pleasing, powerful, visually stunning collages. But we sort of kept all those photos live, so to speak, which is to say the collages uh, retained a link to their original source material. And so anybody could come along and remix somebody else's collage. And so the, the, you know, you might, you might take a picture of a car and put it in one collage and somebody else might come along and, and take it and then maybe change the way you've cropped it even. But the link between the two works was retained. And so people could sort of see ideas sort of evolve in the network and, and mutate and everybody was sort of sharing the building materials together. Um, we obviously were really, really passionate about it. It was really fun. And we, we built, a, I think, a, a really great community out of it. Um, but ultimately, it wasn't at the scale that we wanted it to be and, and needed it to be in order to keep going. So um, unfortunately, we had to, to look for an alternative path. And, and that's when you guys led to being acquired by Etsy. So, so, so what was this process like for you? I mean, it was, it was a hard process. It's probably one of the, the, the toughest experiences you know that i've had professionally i mean coming to grips with the fact that we didn't have the growth that we needed in order to get to that next level of funding and then having to to go out and solicit offers to acquire the company um, the technology and the talent and it, it took about eight months or so i would say and you know a lot of tough discussions between my co-founder scott osler and myself and talking with our investors and like trying to chart a path forward all the while, like our, our the money that we had in the bank was starting to to drain away, and we were like trying to get a deal done before you know things got too dire. And there's just a lot of, sort of like delicate orchestration involved. Yeah, no, for sure. So, do you have any advice to share with others who might be going through the similar experience right now? My advice is, I mean, if you're starting a company, like really, really know exactly where you want to go from a funding perspective, either really fully commit to bootstrapping it and paying your own way and, and being very conscientious about that and getting to, to revenue really quickly or really try to build a company from the get-go that is going to have you know a, a, a very realistic shot of getting to success, successive rounds of venture funding really successfully. 
at, at a very large scale. I think for technology companies, a lot of them, they sort of fall in that uncanny valley between them, and it, it can be really difficult to survive if you're neither one or the other. That's some good advice. Um, so with the success of the acquisition, you became the design director for mobile Etsy. So for those who may not know, what is Etsy, and how was the experience building the mobile side of their platform? Etsy is a marketplace for handmade or artisanal goods. It's really this really wonderful, thriving community of people who are making things that are not mass-produced, that are genuine works of art or, or craftsmanship and um, really special. And they built an amazing business out of there. Um, and I, I actually only worked at Etsy for about six months. It's, it's an amazing company, but they had great roles for the rest of my team, but they didn't really have uh, like a, a role that was a terrific long-term fit for me. And a typical experience for a lot of acquisition. You know, the, the founder doesn't stay that long. So um, after about four or five months of uh, making it work, it sort of became clear that the, the fit was not ideal. And so I had a, a good good talk with Chad, the CEO, and we had a friendly parting the ways. And I went off and, and did other stuff. And my team stayed behind and I think did some, some really great work. That's awesome. So even though you were only at Etsy, you know, for a short period of time, you know, you ended up transitioning to becoming the director of product design mobile for Adobe. So how did that opportunity to to work with Adobe come up? Well, that actually started while I was working for some other startup after I left Etsy. I worked on a number of projects. I really actually took took that time after I left Etsy as an opportunity to work on lots of different things, which is something that you don't get to do while you're at a startup. It's actually a really, really freeing time. And so one of these projects that I took on sort of came my way through Scott Belsky, who's the co-founder and, and CEO at Behance, who were acquired by Adobe, where he worked as a, as a VP for a number of years. And Behance was acquired by Adobe at about that time that I was that I had left uh, Etsy. And so we talked, Scott and I talked, we were friendly. Um, we, we talked about the things that I had learned from Mixel, from building what was essentially creativity software for tablets and, and phones. And he asked if there were lessons that I, I thought I could apply to creating like a new app for designers um, using Adobe technology. And I said, definitely, you know, I, I had learned a lot of stuff about the way creativity works on touch devices and, and mobile. So um, I wrote up some ideas and they became a product that's known as uh, Adobe Comp CC. It's a, an app that we're, we are actually just about to ship a brand new version today, version 2.4, that adds a lot of uh, new features. And Comp is um, uh, essentially a, a, like a touch-optimized layouts app. So a, a bit like, like an intersection of InDesign and Illustrator, where it lets you put objects on the screen and really get, get type on there really quickly and it basically just lets you draw the layout that you have in your head and it will translate it into real live objects very quickly. This is getting kind of long-winded here, but, but basically I, I worked as a consultant to Adobe on Comp and really, really enjoyed that process a lot. And after a, a year or two, like Scott and I talked and it seemed like there, were, there was a lot of interesting stuff going on in Adobe and so I just decided to join them and that was August of last year of 2015 and now I'm working with um, a lot of the product teams here on on building uh, like a new generation of creativity software on mobile it's it's been a great great transition 
That's awesome. That sounds really, really cool. I haven't actually had a chance to uh, check out Comp yet, but I'll definitely have to uh, after this call. I'm, I'm, I'm really terrible with anything fairly creative <laughs> in, in the visual art space, but um, I'll have to check it out because it sounds pretty awesome. Yeah, I think it's great. And it's actually very, very um, sort of welcoming to new users, even users without any real history or, or training in design because it's literally gesture-based. So you can draw the things that you see in your head and it's really easy to change them around. And it has a sort of very unique history feature that lets you, it basically saves every little decision that you make and you can roll back to those decisions at any time really easily. So um, yeah, I definitely encourage you to get, to give it a try. Awesome. And so what do you think about that, that like mobile creation, the visual creation space in general, given your experience with Mixel and sort of the experimentation that you're doing before Adobe and now being involved with all these product products at Adobe, like where do you see that, that heading? Well, that's really the reason I'm at Adobe. It's like that the intersection between creativity software and mobile and, and touch devices is that's really the sweet spot for me, like where all my passions converge. So I'm I'm very passionate about it, obviously. I mean, I, I feel really strongly that in the next several years, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get to a place where the hardware, you know, that is on the market in terms of tablets and and, and even phones is going to be so powerful and, and so capable. Um, and the software is going to be so, so robust that when you're presented with a design problem, you will reach for a tablet just as soon as you would reach for a, a laptop. We really think people are going to want to do work on these devices um, as they, they get more more powerful, more capable, and as new generations of creative people come into the workplace. So we're investing significantly in uh, trying to build this feature and, and make it come to pass um, sooner rather than later. Um, and it's not just the apps that we're building. There's, there's a whole rich ecosystem of workflows and sort of shared libraries and really elegant ways that these apps can work with one another and also with uh, desktop software and even with third-party apps. Um, and it's getting more and more capable and, and, and robust over time. Yeah, absolutely. I have to keep an eye on it and see what else you guys continue to evolve out, out of that. Yeah, definitely. And so what's your what's your day-to-day role like as, as the director of product design and how are you trying to instill, you know, maybe that startup culture or energy within some of the teams that you work with? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, uh, for a company like a, like Adobe, where we have a significant number of products in the marketplace, uh, more than, than just a few apps, uh, mobile apps even, a huge challenge for us is continuing to evolve them so that the experiences and the interfaces are consistent and that as users evolve or as, as the, way, the way people use these devices um, continues to change, that we evolve with them and match them and provide newer, better, you know, more elegant, more friction-diffusing uh, ways for them to get their, their work done. So there's that one aspect of making sure everything is consistent and, and works together well. And there's another aspect of really trying to treat a lot of these apps, which are, are new and not necessarily extensions of the software that we are familiar with from the desktop, like the illustrators and photoshops and InDesigns, trying to treat those apps as little startups of their own and, and trying to create a space for them to continue to innovate and experiment and 
and to get the time that they need to to figure out you know the best possible expression of of the value that they offer to users. So it's a real balancing act. So I know you already touched on it a little bit before, but I'm wondering if, you know, you might be able to share some some areas of focus for you and your team over the coming months, uh, more around, you know, some of the technologies or the mediums you might be integrating into these, you know, creative touch-based apps. Well, for us, it's really about trying to match the way people work today and, and sort of guide them to this future scenario that I, I talked about where... Any device that you have is a device that you might potentially want to get some meaningful work done. So, um, you know, we're thinking about software that will let you start a project on one device and then pick it up on another device if that's what you want. Or you might spend all your time on, on device A and almost rarely ever touch device B. So we want software that works as a, a coherent and reliable system that spans devices and platforms so um so that's that's a real challenge because then you're not just building one app you're building like a series of apps a system of apps and and you have to think about what's the right amount of functionality um, to provide on you know on a tablet or a phone or or a desktop and and how to match the user expectations for each of those devices and also you know if you have to cross operating systems or platforms too, it gets more and more complex. So um, we're trying to map out what the near future and, and the long-term future looks like for for those kinds of questions. Cool. And so maybe keeping that in mind, what kind of advice you know would you share with new designers looking to start their career, or maybe entrepreneurs who are thinking about building something in the space with with more media, more rich, thinking about different devices, anything around around those points that you could share based on your experience. Yeah, I mean, I think that the time or the era where you know anything that you build is going to you need to do it on a laptop or a desktop is coming to a close, and I I would say that people should be open to the possibility of doing most, if not all, of their work on on tablets and and phones, and I think that's important because you know as we know, like these mobile and touch devices are so much greater in number than desktops and. Um, swaths of people are growing up and and using them almost exclusively and i think being open to to new ways of working exclusively on these devices native to these devices i think will open up a lot of possibilities for for designers and and entrepreneurs in terms of thinking about what users want and 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 how they want to get it done as a product designer myself it'd be cool you know further down the road to be able to just cr- quickly create mock-ups just through the phone, like bragging buttons in and, and images and et cetera. And I, I, even with that being said, I think some apps actually are, are solving that problem or beginning to solve that problem right now. Yeah. Uh, and also like one of the things I've been doing for the past six or eight months or so is like, I, I have to travel. I, I live in New York and Adobe is mostly based in San Francisco and San Jose. So I have to travel to California a lot. And Nowadays, I don't even take my laptop when I travel, even when I go for a week. Like, I, I will just take my iPad and, and I have an iPad Pro now with a smart keyboard. And, like, I can get basically about 98% of my work done that way. Like, once in a while, I'll need to jump on a, a, a laptop or a desktop at the office, but it's, it's quite liberating. It really opens your eyes up to a whole, wholly different ways of doing things. That's really cool. So, so if we can send that, like, how's experience been using the iPad Pro, and do you have any other devices that you've purchased lately that you would recommend to others? 
Well, the iPad Pro is my current favorite. I mean, it's a, such a powerful device. Like, first of all, they've really improved the audio on it. So if, if you've used iPads in the past, you, you might have had to sort of use your hand to cup, to cup around the speakers in order to direct sound back to you. But they've built like this amazing sound system to it where it's actually really, really loud and, and clear. So in that way, the, the iPad itself is like a, like a big improvement. But what is really like a sort of game changer for me is Apple Pencil which, like I said, I went to school studying like drawing and painting. And I haven't done a lot of that in the year since I've become a professional designer. But having the, the iPad with me now all the time and, and now having the pencil, it, it's been incredibly fun. Like it's gotten me drawing and, and doodling and really expressing myself through making marks again in a way that, that hasn't been you know, the norm for me in a long, long time. And so I'm, I'm really enjoying the pencil and um, music with uh, Adobe's apps. That's amazing. It's it's becoming a, a theme on, on on our show where more and more people are actually or just creatives, I should say, are purchasing the iPad Pro and the pencil and just like you said, using that as their main device. Yeah, I think the pencil is really special, and I hope um, I, I hope Apple figures out a way to make it more accessible. You know, to um, you know, from a price point to to a bigger audience before too long, because like everybody I've shown. You know, the pencil to just they're like oh I want one of those I I, I can imagine myself having tons of fun with it and and um, and then when, when when we demonstrate it with our apps like um, Adobe Sketch and Adobe Draw like it, you can really see like the the childlike um, enthusiasm light up in their eyes that's really cool so do you have any recommendations on great content that you've come across lately either a book video or a blog post. Uh, great content. I, well, I just read a really fantastic post yesterday called I Have Stickers on My iPad. It's from Steven Sanofsky, who, who used to be at, at Microsoft. And he talks about, actually, the, I'm sorry, the title is my, my Tablet Has Stickers. And he talks about going all in on using an iPad Pro and really leaving behind his, his other devices, his, uh, his MacBook and his desktops. And I guess he used a few others as well. I mean, he was really, really thoughtful about why he thought this was an important change to make and also has some interesting comments on adoption curve and how, how some people are early adopters and some people are skeptics and, and how that, frames their worldview and, and and why they take those approaches so for me it was really interesting not just as like advocacy for like a touch first computing experience but also really illuminating in terms of understanding why some people make big shifts like this um sooner than others Ooh, i'll have to definitely check that post out i hadn't uh, come across it yet so i'll have to give it a read yeah so it's just published a few days ago on medium Cool. That's awesome. So do you have any last thoughts or personal models that you live by and, and you think others should know about? In my design work, like I really try to go by the simple model that I made up for myself, which is um, let a thing be what it is. Meaning, you know, if you're trying to create a product and you have a plan for that product, it might not actually map to what the product itself wants to be or what the users want it to be. And so sometimes you have to let your personal agenda sort of uh, take a back seat to what the thing you want to build 
really its its own ambitions or its own sort of true form. And I, I always try to remember that when I'm working on a product or or a design, and then I just I'm trying to hammer it to, into one shape, and it never seems to to want to fit that mold. Um, and I try to take a step back and try to figure out what it's trying to tell me. Oh, it's really cool. It's a great saying, and obviously applicable to to more things than just design or or products or startups. Yeah. Cool. Well, Coy, thanks so much for taking the time to be on the show today. We really appreciate uh, you sharing your story and insights with us. Thanks so much for having me. It was, it was a lot of fun. Well, that's about it for this episode of Hack to Start. You can find all the important links beneath the show. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, at Hack to Start, and sign up for our newsletter to know about all the latest episodes, behind-the-scenes content, and more. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.